0: All right, welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnston Show. And I'm going to put this up front here. Yes, the kids are probably going to be jumping and screaming. You might hear that in the background. And I can't edit it all out. So I apologize if you hear for that up front. But hey, we're all adjusting to the new normal. And if you're coming here to get the latest and the COVID 19, the confirmed cases, the death count, and all the modelings and the doom and gloom you've come to the wrong place. I, I, I just can't do it. I, I cannot go through all COVID-19 all of the time. But with that said, since everything that we are doing is related to COVID-19 in one way or another, we're going to be able to discuss here, you know, the impact that COVID-19 has had and how the media and the Democrats are trying to spin this in order to implement a more authoritarian regime and to undermine our constitutional rights. Now, before I get to that, though, there are some lighter side of the news in which I can get to. Now, so I'm going to start off uh, today's show talking about this article uh, from the Daily Wire, in which uh, it reads that the Patriot owner's Bob Kraft flies almost 2 million masks to the U.S. from China. Right. So yes, we're starting off and talking about how private industry has been stepping up and really helping out With the response to COVID-19, how we're ramping up manufacturing, how we're getting test kits out there for uh, more response. So instead of sending it off and waiting a couple of weeks, you can get results now in two minutes with some of these testing kits. And, you know, we could talk about President Trump once again for the second time, you know, testing negative for COVID-19. But this article uh, from the Daily Wire talking about the Patriots was kind of interesting because uh, the New England Patriot owner, Bob Kraft, as it reads, responding to the warnings of Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker that his state is in dire need of protective equipment, including masks, sent his team jet to China to transport 1.7 million masks from China, donating $2 million, half of the cost of securing them. Now, this is a great article here, uh, as it shows how All these private businesses, industries, and all these rich millionaires are actually stepping up and doing the things that the government has been too incompetent to be able to do. I mean, think about this. Why is it that the New England Patriots can send their jets over to China, buy all the protective equipment and get it back here faster than what the government can do? I mean, isn't that sad that we're relying on private industry to do the job of government? And yet the Democrats will be out there trying to say that Oh, private industry bad. Millionaires and billionaires are bad and we must rely on the competency of government. Oh boy. Now, when going through this article, it's not all good, you know, because I was taking a look at this and there was some, well, some information that was concerning, you know, and I think I figured out, you know, what it was, but then I kept researching and researching and to my surprise, and this was the biggest shocker, is that there wasn't anything wrong. I mean, think about it. This is probably the first time the New England Patriots provided equipment they acquired in China that actually passed regulation standards. Yes, I said it. And I apologize for nothing. It's a cheap shot. I know it. And I'm still going to take it. Why? Because the New England Patriots suck. And no matter what they do, I will always root against them. I can't stand them. Now, some of you are going, ha, 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 you know, very funny. And I get it. You know, I'm not the funniest guy in the world. And I know that joke fell flat, just like footballs provided by Patriots. And yes, I apologize for nothing again. All right. So enough of that. I'm obviously uh, not a late night comedian. So we'll move on. Now, What's interesting here is we'll talk about social media censorship. Yes, I'm doing a segue here. You know, I just wanted to find a cheap shot for uh, at the New England Patriots, and I really have no better way to segue into another story. So here we go. Now, we talk about the social media censorship, and how it only goes one way, and how the tech companies are trying to influence the outcome of the elections in favor of the Democrats. And in doing so, the social media companies are actually committing fraud, you know, claiming to be platforms while going off and acting as publishers. And for a long time, and it's been coming increasingly so, when Republicans go to run ads on social media platforms, the social media companies will come out and label the videos deceptive, false, or misleading, right? And it's not, you know, about whether or not they are deceptive, false, or misleading, but the social media companies want to go out there and label everything that the Democrats, conservatives, or Republicans are posting as false and misleading or not exactly true because they want to create the perception that, if it comes from conservatives or Republicans, you can't trust it. Meanwhile, the Democrats can go out there and completely lie all they want and run as many deceptive ads as they want with a bunch of false information, and the social media companies won't do anything about it. They won't censor them. They won't put on those labels of false, misleading, or, you know, anything of the sort. And so Joe Biden had run an ad you know, in which he took bits and pieces from different speeches that Trump had, you know, given at various rallies in order to try and make it seem like Trump had said something that he didn't. And he even goes on uh, with the bogus claim about Trump called the coronavirus a hoax. Now, look, I get that the media wants to create this particular narrative, and I know you're going off and going, well, I heard it, you know, uh I heard it in a string uh you know of audio or a video but it's because of the selective and deceptive editing and I had called this out before whereby they cut off the part uh where he starts off by talking about the media's narrative you know about how he was handling the COVID-19 or coronavirus outbreak and how you know they're going off and trying to create a fake narrative about it all you know, and how, you know, first they tried Trump Russia, then they tried the Ukraine call, and this is their new hoax it proclaims. Now, again, he was talking about the media's narrative and how they were trying to use it to bash him. And then he, then what goes on afterwards is he spends the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes talking about the seriousness uh, of uh, the coronavirus and the dangers that it poses. But the media, They'll never, you know, actually admit to that. They want to create this false perception that Trump didn't take it seriously enough. And so Biden comes out with this very deceptive video in which he also strings together, you know, words and sentences from various speeches and puts it all together to make it seem like it was one particular statement. So the Trump team decides, you know what? we're not going to be playing this whole double standard uh, with the social media companies. So he comes out and does uh, what Biden does back to Biden, where he strings together uh, different words uh, that Trump, uh, not Trump, but Biden had said uh, through various interviews and speeches and made it seem like Biden was the one who came out and called the coronavirus a hoax. And Trump in doing so You know, it's not about, you know, going off and trying to lie to the public or going out and trying to deceive the public into thinking Joe Biden did something that or said something that he didn't. No, he's trolling Twitter itself. You know, the heads of Twitter to see if they will try and censor his video. Because here is the trap. If Twitter comes out and censors Trump's video, you know, our, you know, audio clip, You know, if Twitter comes out and does that, or comes out and labels it false, misleading, or deceptive, while refusing to have done it to Biden, well then, Trump can go after them with the full force of the law. You know, uh, as far as not only fraud and deception of claiming to be a platform while acting as a publisher, but also for what's considered in-kind contribution, whereby if the social media companies are taking sides and Trying to go off and label every video by Republicans, conservatives, or Trump as false, fake, or misleading, while letting Democrats run knowingly false, fake, and misleading ads without any such warning or labels, well then that becomes an in-kind contribution. That's a you know, an election crime. You know, that's an election violation. And that comes with severe penalties. And so Trump going out there and trying to troll the social media companies to admit to their double standards in order to get them for violating the, you know, in-kind contribution laws regarding uh, two elections, well, then that changes the landscape because then he can force on them, you know, a restructuring and, you know, and punish them for their deception and fraud, you know, and again, it is deception and fraud for you to you know, get something of value out of someone for under false pretenses. In which case, with the social media companies, you know, getting you to hand over your data in which they're able to make money off of uh, through selling, a, you know, to advertisers, you know, and doing so while claiming to be a platform and actually acting as a publisher. Yes, that is fraud. And so it'll be interesting to see if Twitter actually falls for the trap that Trump had set up. And part of whether or not they fall for it might depend on how far and wide this particular tweet goes. And so we got to make sure that we keep an eye out on these social media companies and how they're acting, because as time goes on and we get closer and closer to the 2020 election, social media censorship is only going to get worse heck, social media companies have already been going out and trying to censor information related to the coronavirus and COVID-19, where people would go out and, you know, promote what Trump was saying about the medications that in combination has shown to be effective. And the left did not like the idea that the Trump administration, you know, has been able to go off and find, you know, something that would work or at least been paying attention and promoting stuff that would work. And so, anybody who was going out there posting tweets or Facebook posts and all that, you know, um, you know about these, you know, treatments that have shown to be so effective, had all of that taken down, especially after that story about the people who ate the or consumed the fish tank cleaner, right? Well, now the CDC, no, not the CDC, but now the FDA has come out and has approved these drugs and medication for their off-label use in treating uh, the coronavirus. So now the question is, is Twitter and Facebook going to restore all those posts? Are they going to stop taking down everyone who posts information about it? You know, I, I get the idea that in a time of crisis that you want to limit fake news and fake information. The problem is Facebook and Twitter are, well, they're horrible arbiters of the truth. And many times they suppress the truth in order to promote a political narrative. Now, with the whole COVID-19, you know, the coronavirus and the outbreak and all the social distancing, the campaigning for the 2020 election has primarily been put on ice for a while. And, you know, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden are resorting to having to do their campaigning via live stream, which you know is not necessarily a bad thing you know going through and you know changing the way in which we campaign to being more digital live stream and more mass, which opens the door up for a lot more people to be able to run in uh the next midterm elections. but we are seeing uh here that there are problems uh for the left because Trump is out there you know every day with the coronavirus task force giving updates and you know, his approval ratings, his perception as a leader and all of that, you know, is skyrocketing through the roof. And so the left has been going off and trying to say, hey, we need to censor this. We need to stop airing the daily briefings and before the briefings, you know, start, they'll give a warning going, hey, these things have a tendency to veer off course. There's a lot of things uh, that come out that are not uh, necessarily relevant or uh, necessarily true. So, you know, when the the briefings start veering off course, we're going to go through, we're going to interrupt it and we're going to, you know, do some, you know, fact checks, you know, right on the spot. You know, they're trying to find a way to undermine the briefings. Well, the daily briefings isn't the only pl- way in which Trump is garnering, you know, uh more support and, you know, showing himself a leader in uh, the public. But in this particular instance, I do kind of question it, you know, what he's doing here. So uh, the report goes on to state that Trump campaign ordering food from local restaurants to help hospital workers You know, and it goes on to read, since the 2020 race has been placed on ice, the Trump campaign has used its resources to buy up food from local restaurants to donate to hospital workers fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Since last Thursday, President Trump's reelection campaign has been calling up local restaurants and ordering large amounts of food to be delivered to more than a dozen hospitals in New York, New Jersey, Washington State, and Michigan. You know, uh, Fox News uh, is reporting this. The campaign had been making the orders anonymously until sources confirmed uh, of the charitable operation with Fox News. One source uh, said uh, the effort was to kill two birds with one stone, support local restaurants while supplying medical workers with needed help. The campaign has already spent tens of thousands of dollars in the past few weeks, which they plan to continue to do in the coming days. So, this is one of those good news, bad news things. The good news is, you know, Trump is, you know, trying to support the medical staff and making sure that, you know, they are properly fed uh, and not going hungry as they go th- about their workday. And the other good news uh, that goes on with this is that he wasn't even trying to take credit for it. I mean, everyone wants to go off and talk about Trump's ego. And talk about how he's a narcissist and all of that. And yet here it was, he was trying to do uh this charity under the table, which by the way, for all of you leftists that want to go off and trash millionaires and billionaires, guess what? The reason why you don't hear so much about their charitable contributions is because they don't go off and brag about it. You know, they're not like the Pharisees of the Bible that you know, give lip service in public and want to create the public perception. No, most of the charitable giving and donations happen, you know, uh behind closed doors, you know, where you don't know who it is, right? That's kind of how charity works. You're not doing it, you know, to boost your own personal brand. But, you know, in situations like this, of course, eventually it's always going to leak. So there's the two bit of good news. Now there's some bad news here that, you know, while yes, it does support local business and it's charitable and it helps out our medical staff, Trump really should have rethought, you know, the type of food that he was buying because guess what? Buying a whole bunch of food from McDonald's uh, for hospital workers. I mean, doctors are going to look at that and go, oh man, the cholesterol. Oh, this is not heart healthy." oh, this is very bad for my weight, you know? So yes, I mean, it's not all good news. It turns out that if you deliver, you know, fast food uh, to a bunch of medical workers, that that isn't always seen positively. So maybe Trump uh, should have thought a little bit more about salad bars and steakhouses and less about McDonald's and Burger King. Now, look, uh, do I actually know it's all McDonald's and Burger King? No. But, you know, it is interesting uh, because the picture uh, for this article shows a bunch of Big Macs, you know, laid out on a table. And I just kind of got around to thinking, hmm, I wonder what hospital workers and doctors and all that would think of having large quantities of Big Macs, you know, provided to them and out of support. You know, yes, it's good. And yes, it's bad. So, I mean, that's kind of your good Trump, bad Trump. You know he delivers good tasting food, and unfortunately good tasting food is not always healthy food. Ah, eh, what are you gonna do about it now, one last thing here uh before we get into the main part of the show uh doctors at the University of pittsburgh uh medical center uh we've developed a vaccine against coronavirus, so all those people who are going out there talking about whether the- shutting down the economy was worth it, the lives saved you know, from the coronavirus versus the lives that will be lost uh, due to the shutdown of the economy. Yes, I get the argument. I understand it. And there is a large part of me that agrees with it. And I would probably agree with it more if we weren't making progress, you know, from developing, you know, treatments that, you know, takes the survival rate to near a hundred percent developing, you know, faster testing kits so we can figure out who has who has it, who doesn't have it, have it, and being able to get the people who don't have it back into the workforce. Being able to develop, you know, tests that are able to determine whether someone had it, you know, the symptoms were mild, and now they're immune to it, you know, and they were previously unreported and getting them back to work and getting the economy back open. Yes, But now we are getting to the point where we have a vaccine. Now, there were already vaccines, you know, that had been uh, developing going into human trial. And yet we got here another potential vaccine. So think about how many lives this is going to save. And yes, I get it. The economy, the economy, the economy. This isn't, you know, lives versus the economy. It's lives versus lives. But with the progress that we are making, I do believe that our current course is going to lead to uh, fewer lost lives. And while the road uh, will be, you know, a bit of a struggle, I do believe that we will be able to come back from this and that the economy will be able to come back bigger, better, and stronger than ever. Okay, so let's get into the main part of the show here. The Democrats are trying to come up with a new narrative, and it's very dangerous. I mean, the Democrats are always able to develop or come up with new narratives whenever it's politically expedient for them. I mean, they've gone off to try and shift uh, the blame for the underreaction, you know, to the Democrat, I mean, from the Democrats to the Republicans you know, because they don't want the public to realize that they were the ones uh, that the Democrats were the ones who were underplaying this and trying to do everything that they could to undermine the efforts taken by President Trump to try and stop, slow, or prevent the spread of the coronavirus into the United States. And since, you know, the realities of how big of a threat this is, you know, has been made apparent the Democrats have been into this major narrative shift, and rewriting history. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you would think the Democrats and the media would realize that there's this thing called the internet. And there are search engines like Google, in which you can actually fact check their narratives, and it's very easy to debunk. But now the left is shifting the narrative just slightly. And this shift in narrative isn't just, you know, the basic, you know, despicable hypocrisy. It's about trying to create a dangerous idea into the culture and trying to f- find, you know, support for a dangerous new action. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip and let's see if you can catch what the new narrative is and the danger it poses. To give them the truth. And one other thing I want to add is when you look at these press conferences, if you were watching MSNBC today would not have been surprising. If you watch Fox News, today's press conference may have been surprising to you because networks like Fox just kept giving false information, misleading information to many Americans, and they really should have apologized for what they did. Well, I think you speak to, Congressman, the the role of perception and information in this. Uh, Dr. Osterholm, that does seem different. In other words, if Americans want to hold vastly different views of the world, even counterfactual. Uh, there are a whole range of topics where that may not hurt anyone. Did you catch that? Did you catch that there? Because this is a very dangerous narrative that they are trying to set up. So if you didn't recognize the voice here, let me tee this up for you. So Congressman Ted Lieu goes on MSNBC and he's trying to spin the narrative that, oh, the Democrats were taking it seriously, but the conservatives They were downplaying it. And because they were downplaying it, people were ignoring all the advice on how to protect themselves from the COVID 19. And they kept going out and this is how the infection spread. And as the infection spread, it has led to more deaths. And the MSNBC host comes out and goes, Oh, yes, see, you know, while having differences of opinions in a lot of cases may not have much of an effect. But in this particular instance, it was dangerous. So what they're trying to say here and de facto is that conservative media poses a public health risk. That conservative media is dangerous. Conservative media is leading to deaths. So what does this mean? That, well, Congressman Ted Lieu then can now start undermining the first amendment and give an excuse or a precedent to try and eliminate conservatives from the public sphere. Because after all, conservative and conservative media poses a public safety risk, just like yelling fire inside of a crowded theater when there is no fire, right? That it's risk. It's dangerous. Therefore, we need to get rid of conservative media like Fox News. We need to introduce legislation that eliminates conservative voices from the public sphere, you know, out of public safety. This is their way of trying to attack and undermine the Constitution, the First Amendment, and the right of the people to be able to go off and get accurate information. Because after all, if the narrative is, you know, conservatives downplay the threat of the virus, and it led to a bunch of deaths, and the Democrats and media outlets like MSNBC were serious. Well, we just need to get rid of Fox News and all of the conservative uh, content creators online, because it's dangerous. We can regulate it like a public threat. Well, that's an interesting uh, take on this. The only problem is it's a completely false and fake narrative, when in the reality, the opposite is true that it was conservatives that were sounding the, the alarm while Democrats were going off and trying to downplay it. And I got proof of this. See, here's what the Democrats don't understand. There's this thing called the internet and search tools such as Google. And we can actually go back in time and doing date filters on our searches, typing up a particular, you know, Democrat, You know, and type in their name along with the word coronavirus and filter it for what were they saying back in January and February. We can do the exact same thing with these media outlets. And you would think that after all this time, they would catch on to this thing called the internet. And that if they were going to go off and do this narrative shift, that they would go back and edit all of their prior articles and written content in order to be able to push this narrative. Now, they'll never be able to redo all of the, you know, televised content because people have already recorded that and can get that out there. But you would think they would at least put in the effort to rewrite their online content, their written content, so it wouldn't be so easy to fact check them and be so easy to go off and debunk their story. So I went off uh, on Google and I decided to do some search. So I decided, okay, Fox News and coronavirus. Let's see what they were saying back in February. Well, here's an article from Fox News uh, dated February 3rd. And it reads, you know, the headline Experts worry about pandemic as coronavirus numbers increase. And it goes on to say, experts believe the highly transmissible coronavirus will become a pandemic as infected numbers continue to increase in China and countries around the world, according to a startling report. That doesn't sound like it's downplaying. That sounds like Fox News was coming out there and telling you, hey, we got a crisis. Hey, this is going to become a pandemic. We need to pay attention to this. Okay, so that was Fox News. That doesn't sound like downplaying whatsoever. Now let's go ahead and take a look at CNN. CNN article, dated February 7th. This is four days after Fox News was already sounding the alarm. CNN, excessive fears of the Wuhan coronavirus can be dangerous. And the article goes on to read, just what is it about a potential pandemic that scares us so? While the odds of dying from a car accident or heart disease are greater, at least in the United States, rare infections, disease still loom larger in our collective nightmares. The truth is, the odds don't factor into what frightens us. Our rational minds aren't calling the shots here. Our irrational fears are. There are something, there is something supremely unsettling about the invisibility of germs and viruses and the way they spread that invokes our deepest, most primal, primal survival instincts. Facts do win out in the end. Although this may take years, When was the last time anyone except for the most alarmist among us worried that the person sitting next to us on the subway or serving our salad had HIV or AIDS? And yet there was a time when AIDS hysteria was commonplace and a Florida family whose three young sons were infected with AIDS were subjected to bomb and death threats and a school boycott before their home burnt down in a suspicious fire. Wow, that that seems like CNN was the one uh, trying to undermine the or uh, downplay the threat comparing it to hysteria and hysteria over past issues. Okay. But but that's CNN, you know, we, we you, you can't expect much from CNN. Well, what about NBC MSNBC? I mean, they're this, really the same company. It's just one of them tries to act, you know, less insane than the other, you know, but they're owned by the same people. Well, what do they come out and write? Well, here's another article, you know, from February. As coronavirus spreads, so does concern over xenophobia. More panic, more temptation to blame the outsider, the other. You know, as the coronavirus continued to spread, experts point out that misinformation and misguided precautions, often rooted in racially insensitive stereotypes, have proliferated. So far, at least 7,711 cases of the illness have been reported and experts are concerned that increasing xenophobia could be another side effect of the illness. So no, it's not the coronavirus that's dangerous. No, it is the xenophobia and the stereotypes are are you starting to understand who was really downplaying this and who wasn't? Or how about this article uh, from Politico uh, from February 5th? You know, it goes, Trump, and it, this is an article talking about the State of the Union address, where D- Donald Trump at the State of the Union called out the threat of the coronavirus and the need to take action now, right? Well, political writes an article after the State of the Union address, you know, stating that the Trump administration's aggressive response to the Wuhan coronavirus is raising fresh worries about U.S. relations with China and the impact the quarantine and travel ban policies could have on people of Asian descent. Political, uh, Politico's Alice Miranda Olstein reports. So remember, Trump was going out there talking in the state of the union about the threat of the coronavirus and was enacting quarantines and travel bans and political. Another liberal outlet was out there, you know, questioning, you know, this and how it would damage relationships with U.S. and China. And then the article goes on to read, the World Health Organization has warned against cracking down on transportation and trade. Wait a minute we got a pandemic. Trump is taking actions to enact travel ban and enact uh, quarantines. And they're talking about how the World Health Organization has warned against such actions. You know, adding that alarmist actions, alarmist actions could damage international efforts to fight the virus and on Tuesday, flight attendants and other labor unions criticized the administration over a lack of transparency about its plans for screening and treating travelers returning to the country. Lawmakers, meanwhile, are growing concerned the approach risks fueling fear and prejudice. So here it was, even political back on February 5th, writing an article that Trump was taking this seriously and was enacting actions to try and stop it. And they were criticizing it as an overreaction because the threat, you know, is not that grave or big. Huh. And then we can go through and there's this great, you know, uh, you know, picture uh, that is going around that just has a bunch of headlines from leftist outlets like Wired magazines. We should deescalate the war on the coronavirus. CNN, As the coronavirus spreads, fear is fueling racism and xenophobia. You know, from the Atlantic, you're likely to get the coronavirus. Most cases uh, are not life-threatening. You know, uh, let's see here from the AP. Is the new virus more deadly than the flu? Not exactly. You know, uh, and it continues on and on from all these leftist outlets saying, Hey, this is not a bit, a big deal. You know, from the Washington Post, get a grip, America. The flu is a much bigger threat than coronavirus for now. You know, HCP live the fear of the coronavirus and the reality of the flu. I mean, you can go through and you can check all these left wing articles, uh, you know, going out there and trying to say that the coronavirus is no big deal. It's not as big of a threat as say the um you know flu and as the you know any other virus they were the ones going out there and trying to undermine or downplay the threat or the risk of the coronavirus and guess what it wasn't just the media it was the democrats themselves so I have another clip here of all the Democrats who are now criticizing Trump for not taking enough action, for not going out there and talking about just how serious the coronavirus is. So let's see what the Democrats were saying while Trump was enacting travel bans and quarantines. The risk to New Yorkers for coronavirus is low. And our city preparedness is high. This should not stop you from going about your life, should not stop you from going to Chinatown and going out to eat. I'm going to do that today myself. Come to Chinatown. Here we are. We're, again, careful, safe, and come join us. There is no concern at this time for coronavirus in our region. The Department of Sanitation is ready for Mardi Gras 2020. The facts are reassuring. We want New Yorkers to go about their daily lives But there's really no need to panic and to avoid activities that we always do as New Yorkers we are hardy people Americans do not need to panic what I would suggest however hmm. is that Americans take this as a wake-up call for seasonal flu there's very little threat here this disease even if you were to get it basically acts like a common cold or flu so we're telling New Yorkers go about your lives take the subway Go out, enjoy life, and certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. I'm going to be there. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. We need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact We can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission is not that easy. I think there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person contact. We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot lot more more cases. cases. Right, right. Because this is New York and you're in elevators and trains with everybody all the time. That clip was of all the Democrats coming out there and underplaying the threat of the coronavirus and attacking Trump for the actions that he was taking in order to try and stop the spread of the coronavirus. So again, when we take a look at the articles that were written by the left and we take a look at all the Democrats and what they were saying. Now, yes, there are some exceptions. There were some Democrats that were taking the threat seriously, but those Democrats were definitely in the minority. But when we go through and we take a look at this, who was downplaying the threat and who was actually calling it out for what it was? All right. So the whole narrative that if you were watching Fox News, you, you know, were surprised about the threat and the dangers that the coronavirus posed. And if you were watching MSNBC, you took it seriously. And therefore, because of all the deaths that were caused by the misinformation from Fox News, you know, Fox News poses a public safety threat. They're going through and they're rewriting history, and now trying to say that anybody who listened to conservative outlets, you know, were not adequately informed, and therefore the, that's the reason why it spread as far as it has, and as many people have died as they have, is because Fox News and conservatives are a threat to public safety, and therefore the implication is legislation must be entered. To censor Fox News, to regulate Fox News and to regulate all conservatives and remove conservative misinformation from the internet. You're allowed to have an opinion, of course, wink and a nod, but not if that opinion poses what the Democrats deem to be a threat to the safety of this country, a national security threat to this country. Therefore, if the Democrats deem what you are saying to pose that national security threat. You're not allowed to say it. You should be removed from all online platforms and not allowed to speak about anything in public ever again. You understand how dangerous this is, how they are now setting this up to create an exemption in the First Amendment for conservative media, you know, that it doesn't apply to anybody. You understand how dangerous this is? And how dangerous their actions are. It's bad enough that they're going out there doing all these massive power grabs and that they're going out there, you know, and, you know, we know that they're not going to give all the power that they have seized under the emergency. You know, we know they're not giving it all back, but these blatant narratives that are designed to come up with an excuse to attack, regulate and You know, block conservatives from being able to participate in national discussions by claiming that any opposing views to the Democrats is a national security threat, is a threat to public health. You understand where they're trying to take us. You understand the dangers that the, that this type of thinking, you know, poses and the fact that it's being teed up and promoted. By Democratic Congressman Ted Lieu, who actually has the ability to write up legislation and submit it for a vote in the House of Representatives, that it's not just some idiot on, you know, hosting an MSNBC show or a guest, but someone with actual lawmaking ability who is going out there and promoting such narratives. You understand that it's getting to the point where the Democrats and their agenda, their ideology and the narratives that they are trying to push is starting to become a more dangerous threat than the coronavirus itself. And for those of you who are wondering, well, you know, maybe conservative outlets they were, you know, warning about the threat, but you know, Trump, Trump was downplaying it because, you know, the media was telling us so. Well, let's actually see what Trump said. And let's see what Trump said in the state of the union. Protecting Americans' health also means fighting infectious diseases. We are coordinating with the Chinese government and working closely together on the coronavirus outbreak in China. My administration will take all necessary steps to safeguard our citizens from this threat. That clip comes from Trump during the State of the Union address. And as we pointed out earlier in this episode, Political was writing about, you know, the travel bans in the quarantine. And, you know, we're saying that that was too much and that that would damage international relationships with China and that Trump shouldn't be, you know, enacting travel bans in quarantines. Now, let's say that the idea of having certain viewpoints, you know, does pose a risk to public safety. If we were to go by Ted Lude's standard, you know, here about you know, misinformation being a danger to society. And then we take a look at the history and the facts in who was actually calling out and warning people about the dangers of the coronavirus and who was underplaying it. Then by Ted Lieu's own standards, then, you know, MSNBC, CNN, NBC, all pose a threat to public safety. And so if we were going to go through and enact legislation, you know, to go after, you know, uh, the, you know, public safety threats of misinformation, then he should be writing up legislation that would wipe out CNN, NBC, MSNBC, and a whole host of all these garbage liberal outlets, you know, because they were the ones that were going and underplaying. But here is an issue, you know, as is always the case with the Democrats, is that they go out there and they take action. Then when the action blows up in their face and turns out to be disastrous, they switch narratives. And as Tucker Carlson says, the Democrats always blame the Republicans for that which the Democrats are guilty of. You know, and so now they're going off and trying to rewrite history and they're doing a sloppy job at it. And in the rewriting of history, they're trying to promote the narrative that anybody who disagrees with them is a public threat. But in reality, if we go through and take a look at the history of the coronavirus into the United States, we'd realize that, hey, if we're going to talk about misinformation and downplaying being a public threat, then it's the Democrats and the liberal outlets that should be legislated and robbed of their first amendment rights, you know, for public safety, you know, but to punish those who were calling out the actual dangers and the threat of the coronavirus. And, you know, trying to punish them for making the Democrats look bad, you know, is utterly ridiculous. And it goes on to show what horrible totalitarian tyrants the Democrats are. You know, now it's interesting, you know, that in the talk about the shortages of the N95 masks and all of that, that they're trying to go off and blame Trump and, you know, and such. Now the Trump uh, campaign officials have been going off and doing interviews on, you know, uh, social media, you know, uh, YouTubers and all of that. And they brought up a good point that it's interesting that all these career politicians who have been in office for a generation are going out there and, and blaming, you know, systemic problems that have been around for decades on people who are new to government, have been in government. For less than one term, for all of the problems in dealing with the pandemic, all of the problems, you know, facing this country. It's all on the people who have been there for less than four years. And it has nothing to do with the people who have been there, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And the problems have been going on for decades. You know, real interesting, real interesting how they go about trying to do all that. And it's I'm wondering here as I go through and I see, you know, the narrative shifts and all of that. I'm just trying to figure out how many people on the left are waking up and how many of them are stuck so far stuck into their bubble that they will never know the truth and that they keep falling for this. And this is, you know, an issue here, you know, where people are stuck into their bubbles, never seeing what is being said on the other side you know, that they're able to be deceived by the left-wing media like this, where, you know, even though they were watching when the left was underplaying the threat of the coronavirus, you know, that here it is, you know, a few weeks later, the media is doing their shift, and now you got to wonder, you know, for the base of the left, when you see these narrative shifts, are you just that, you know, dim-witted that you don't actually see it? You know, how they were, went, how they made that switch from, Oh, this is nothing to worry about to, Oh, this is a huge crisis and the president underreacted. I mean, do they actually not see that? Are they actually such mindless zombies that they don't notice that? Or are they just complete and total hypocrites? Are they just complete and total frauds who have no values and have no concerns? that their idea of the world is that they just make everything up as they go and that what you said yesterday doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. You know, the world and history starts today. Therefore, none of your past statements or actions actually matter. You're always in the moral superiority position because you just change, you know, what your attack is. And this is one of those things about the left, you know, being in the minority, they always get to attack they never have to actually deal with governing either it's too much it's overkill it's an overreaction or it's never enough and they switch back and forth uh, between that based off of what is politically convenient at the time and they always get away with it and their base never seems to mind the fraud and that is being pulled on them and they don't seem to mind that they are stuck in a bubble of fake news the only thing they seem to care about is that orange man bad. So anybody who tells me what I already want to believe, that must be true, you know. And anybody who gives me facts and data that I don't like, they must be fake. And of course, another thing that the Democrats are trying to push uh, back against is the idea that they're underreaction, their lack of response, their attack on President Trump's attempt to issue quarantines and travel bans. You know, it it wasn't because of the distraction of the impeachment. Because remember, Trump was starting to take action on the coronavirus during the height of the impeachment trial over the bogus claims that there was something improper done on the call with Ukraine. And all the media's attention was focused solely on the impeachment trial, you know, the hearings in the house in which they couldn't find a single witness or a single shred of evidence to support their claim. Oh, the Democrats going on for days in the Senate trial, you know, and going off with their claims and accusations. You no, know, none of that. None no, no, that, that wasn't a distraction. The the Democrats, you know, they were totally on the ball with the coronavirus and that their, you know, derangement You know, the Trump derangement syndrome and their desperation to try and remove Trump from office as they have accidentally admitted that without impeachment, they couldn't win 2020 election. No, no, no. The impeachment was not, not, you know, a distraction. And that's not why the Democrats underplayed and undersold the threat of the coronavirus. That could not be the case in any way, shape or form. And of course, uh, Bernie Sanders still being in the you know election. I don't know why. You know he doesn't have a shot, but you know he's going out there. You know and said on Wednesday that President Donald Trump was responsible for the deaths of many, many Americans who have succumbed to the coronavirus pandemic. Over four thousand Americans have died as a result of the outbreak, and Sanders blames the president's inaction during an appearance on The View Wednesday. Now, this is interesting considering that we just gone through the articles and the clips proving that Trump and the conservatives were taking this seriously, taking action, and that it was the Democrats who were underplaying it. In fact, in one of those audio clips, you will hear Bernie Sanders when asked, hey, would you close the border due to the coronavirus threat? And Bernie Sanders responds, no. And look, we can go off and say that, you know, that in hindsight, more should have been done. Yes, you know, we agree. In hindsight, we could try and say more should have been done or, you know, action should have been taken earlier, you know, and, you know, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback it after you got all of the information. But remember, the actions that Trump was taking was being demonized as an overreaction at the time. And for them to come out and try and say, it's all Trump's fault, it's all Trump's fault, is utterly ridiculous. And Sanders, you know, what I see from Sanders, you know, attempts to try and say that it's Trump's fault for all the deaths of the American, it's an extinction burst, you know he knows his campaign's over. He knows he's not going to get the nomination. He knows that he's not in any way, shape or form ever going to be president of the United States. And so now he's just trying to get attention and he's trying to get attention by going out there and making the most absurd, bombastic claims that he can think of. Why? Because now since he's not going to get the nomination and has no shot at the presidency, he's just trying to build up his own profile. And so the more outrageous he gets in his claims, the more the left is going to prop him up, right? Especially the leftist media. And the more his political capital, as far as his perceived influence in in a political movement uh, will be seen. And so he will be able to have more influence in legislation and what the Democrats do in the future going on. Now, as the Democrats, you know, try to go off and say, these are things that I would do. You know, it really goes to show that they're behind the times because basically they come out and goes, Trump should do X. And Trump comes out and goes, yeah, I did that weeks ago. Now I've already done that. So for instance, Schumer calls for a military official to be a medical equipment czar. And Trump responds, yeah, I already did that. Here's their name. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he comes out uh, with a scathing letter about it. Or for instance, Dems asked the public charge rule not be applied to immigrants uh, during the coronavirus treatment. Right. And so the idea is that, you know, immigrants to the United States who are not you know citizens and you know may not uh, be permanent residents yet uh, are not are exempt uh, from receiving social welfare under the public charge rule and so they were going off saying well immigrants the the public charge rule should not uh af, af, you know be applied to them in cases involving the coronavirus and to which the response is yeah you know that was already waived it, it, the public charge rule doesn't apply you know it, it it's really interesting as they go through and keep saying that Trump should do things that he has already done showing that the democrats are behind in their response and their ideas of what to do it's really the democrats going out there listening and examining what trump is doing and then trying to go off out there and act like it's their idea and that you know they're the ones promoting you know uh, the response yeah, you know, it it's really interesting. And then, you know, the, the Democrats, you know, you remember the attack line, you know, oh, the Trump administration is not providing enough ventilators. Oh, you know, the Trump administration is failing to respond. New York needs all these ventilators and the Trump administration is not providing it. Well, first off, you know, you know the, the, the states need to not depend so much on the federal government for everything. They need to be leaders in their state. And if and as Trump said, if they can get a hold of them faster than what the federal government can, you know, in getting a hold of them and distributing them, then they'll go ahead and do it. But then we find out that there are stockpiles of ventilators in New York, you know, that far exceeds its current needs, right? And the DOJ is now going in and starting to confiscate hoarders of much needed equipment. You know, and so it was going off that, you know, the state of New York actually has a surplus of ventilators and Cuomo was being called out on it. And, you know, because Cuomo has been attacking Trump saying, we're not getting all the supplies we need. We're not getting all the supplies we need. And yet there's a stockpile. And then uh, Cuomo tries to go out. Well, you know, yes, we got these now and, you know, uh, we don't need them uh, yet but our future needs, our, uh, it's our future needs that we are concerned about. And so we're stockpiling them up now, you know, for what our expected needs are. And right now our stockpile, you know, doesn't meet what our future needs are. Well, this is a horrible way about government and shows you that the Democrats are just utterly fraudulent. So here it is. You know, Trump, in coordinating the federal response to the coronavirus, has to try and, you know, triage you know, the, you know, giving equipment out, you know, for instance, you know, we got ventilators. Does New York need ventilators? Yes. Do they have enough ventilators right now? Yes. Are there other places that need ventilators? Yes. Do those other places have a stockpile uh, that exceeds their needs currently? No. And so when Trump's going out and trying to determine how to divvy up uh, the equipment uh, that the federal government has acquired so far, you know, what is what do you think is the best use of, you know, that equipment? Giving it to New York that already has a stockpile that exceeds its current needs or giving it to other places that, you know, need it and, you know, and their equipment or their needs far exceed their supplies. He's going to give it to those who have the most immediate need for it, not those who are going off whining about what their future needs are, And whether or not their current supply is going to be able to meet the demand in the future. Their current supply meets their current demand. So we're going to get the equipment to those whose current demand exceeds their current supplies. You understand this, but the media, they're not interested in having an honest conversation about this. They want to go off and they want to attack Trump, attack Trump. He's not providing all the equipment and needs uh, of New York. Yeah, but New York's not the only place that needs these equipment. You know, we got the state of Washington, the state of California. You got the state of Florida. Trump has the entire country that needs these things, not just one state and a state that's already hoarding, you know, up the supplies. Why would Trump give a ventilator, more ventilators to New York to sit in storage waiting for the demand to go up when he can give it to someone who needs it right now that would be put into immediate use in saving lives? Think about that for a moment. And of course, the dishonest media. If we were to go back and take a look at how misinformation could be considered a public threat, how about this? You know, CBS admits that it was using a photo or footage when talking about New York and the, you know, current crisis and escalations of cases in New York that has become the epicenter in the United States for the coronavirus when talking about, you know, New York, it was using footage from an Italian hospital. Yes, that's right. So the media is so dishonest that they were using footage taken from inside of a hospital uh, over in Italy that has seen the worst cases in which, you know, people are now having their medical care, you know, basically ration and saying, hey, if you're over a certain age, tough luck you're on your own. You know, we got to, you know, uh, save all medical resources for those that have the greatest, you know, uh, possibility of survival. You know, and so it was going through and using that footage and then airing it when talking about New York, giving the impression that New York was in as bad of a shape and condition as Italy as they were running the story in order to try and attack President Trump and saying that, The Trump administration's effort, response, and handling of this was horrible. Can you imagine that? Huh? Can you imagine how despicable you have to be to run such fake and dishonest coverage during this time? All right. So there was a lot more that I wanted to get to today. I mean, it always seems like there is more news going on and more things uh, that we need to get into a deep dive than what I have time to cover on a day-to-day basis. And so uh just to let you know here, uh, when I'm done uh with the audio version of the podcast, I usually take, you know, the stories that I don't get to uh di- during this time. And I pick out about, you know, two to four stories that are the, are, considered to be important that I find to be very important to, you know, cover that I wasn't able to get to in the audio version. And I just do a video, you know, a YouTube video, you know, uh, discussing this, you know, because it is important to make sure we take advantage of all available platforms in order to, you know, go after and debunk the leftist, you know, propaganda narratives. So you can go through and check out the YouTube channel. I will put a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes uh, below so that you can go ahead, check it out. Don't forget to hit subscribe and to share that as well. And um, let's see here, there was, uh you know, stories such as, you know, Nancy Pelosi is creating Coronavirus Oversight Committee and how the Democrats, you know, what? I am going to go a little bit over today because, you know, this is all important. So the Democrats are trying to use the whole coronavirus outbreak as a justification to continue its never-ending uh, investigations and fishing expeditions. So as you know, the Trump administration has been under never-ending investigation since it was, well, since it came into office, since the, you know, uh, end of 2016 election and Trump was announced uh, victorious. In fact, Trump's been under investigation, you know, uh, by, you know, the Democrats, since he was campaigning, you know, and the Democrats abusing, you know, the authority and positions of government in order to attack Trump. So now after they had the failed, you know, Trump-Russia collusion, they failed, you know, Mueller investigation, and they failed impeachment attempts under the Ukraine. Well, now the Democrats are going out there and they're trying to set it up where they'll be able to do never-ending investigations over the handling of the coronavirus. You know, now, of course, this, you know, is unlikely to lead to another impeachment attempt, but the Democrats are turning the House of Representatives into the DNC's opposition research firm you know, where they'll be able to go through and subpoena witnesses, subpoena documents, and try to question and manipulate everything uh, that the Trump administration, every action that they had taken, and then create political ads uh, from the information that they get from their fishing expedition to try and influence the outcome of the 2020 election. God forbid that they actually concern themselves with legislating, God forbid that they actually concern themselves with trying to address problems facing this nation. No, it is nothing but endless investigations, endless fishing expeditions, and endless hearings trying to attack every little decision President Trump has ever made as president and trying to find something, hoping that they can finally find anything that could lead to uh, attempts to impeach the president or at least come up with an effective uh, campaign ads to undermine or influence the outcome of the 2020 election. And you know how all of this is going to go. We already know how the Democrats are going to set everything up because even in the impeachment attempts, they weren't interested in the truth. They called up uh, people who didn't actually witness anything to talk about how they felt about the stories or narratives or claims uh, that were being made and they couldn't provide a single shred of evidence. But you know what? That didn't stop them from going forward with their impeachment attempts. And so the idea that they're now going to use the coronavirus as another excuse to continue their never-ending phishing expedition and investigation of the Trump campaign in order to influence the outcome of the 2020 election is, well, it's unsurprising, but it's absolutely disgusting that they will do this. And of course, while the Democrats are out there trying to attack President Trump and trying to rewrite history, people on the right are noticing that a very concerning uh, bit of information here Chinese journalists keep disappearing. Yes, Chinese journalists who have been going out there and warning that China was lying or, you know, underplaying the threat and, you know, and now, you know, going out there saying, hey, you know they're still covering up uh, a second wave in China and that they're not doing testing. Chinese journalists are disappearing. Anybody who goes out there and tries to, you know, tell the truth uh in China about what's going on with coronavirus and all of that just magically disappear into the ether. And so now we're trying to wonder why all of these journalists in China are disappearing when they come out and contradict what the government's narrative is. You now, so keep an eye on that. I have a feeling we're going to have uh quite a bit of you know information uh, down the line on what is going on and exactly what China is doing to all these journalists and their cover-up efforts. And we'll see uh how the media goes out there and tries to play it. Now, let's see here. I'm trying to see if I have enough time to get to two more stories here. And yes, I understand that this episode is going, you know, pretty long, but hey, it's Friday. You have all weekend to digest this podcast if you can't listen to it all in one setting. So uh, Mother Jones, Mother Jones has come out and has tried to preemptively uh, spin a narrative. You know, as we know, Uh, during a press conference, there was information that came out saying that, you know, despite our action, there can still be up to 200,000 people who die, you know, because of the coronavirus. And yes, that is, that far exceeds that of 9-11. And, you know, that number is why the Democrats are trying to justify their never-ending investigation of the Trump administration and continuing their never-ending investigation in order to try and find things. But now they're trying to go off and say, hey, 200,000 people are going to die. And Trump, Trump is going to try and spin that into a win. So the article written by Mother Jones goes on to read, a virus can adapt quickly. And so can Donald Trump. Throughout the course of the coronavirus crisis, Trump has demonstrated the adaptability that has so often helped his career in business and in politics, as he shifted from predator developer to scammy brand marketer to reality TV celebrity. And one element of that flexibility is Trump's unparalleled capacity to say whatever he needs at a given moment to gain an advantage and serve a personal interest. This skill, if it can be called that, was on display at a recent Trump campaign rally. Okay, so We go here and just to give you a little bit of a context, this article was written on April 1st. So there is a possibility that this could have just been Mother Jones doing an April, you know, fool's gag, but you know, it's unlikely. But anyways, it goes on to say, you know, which these days are held daily in the White House. So they're trying to say that the coronavirus daily briefing is a Trump rally. You know, where Trump and members of his coronavirus task force briefing uh, brief reporters and the rest of the world. You know, Trump has been bragging about the ratings of these briefings, cheering his audience numbers as Americans perish. When Trump at this particular session on Sunday wasn't bashing the media, belittling his perceived foes, or praising himself, he made a startling remark. So you're talking about 2.2 million deaths, 2.2 million people from this. And so if we can hold that down, as we're saying to a hundred thousand, it's a horrible number, maybe even less, but a hundred thousand. So we have between 100 and 200,000 and we all together have done a very good job at this briefing. Trump 16 times pointed to the 2.2 million estimate. Uh, That number comes from a new British study that Trump's healthcare advisors have shown him that uh, project the level of deaths and the unlikely absence of any control measures or spontaneous change to individual behavior. That is without social distancing testings and the like. Trump's experts had put this report in front of him so he could see that his Idiotic idea to ease social restrictions by Easter would cause hundreds of thousands of death, Trump, who on february twenty sixth when there were fifteen reported coronavirus cases in the United States, said the number would soon be down to close to zero. Okay, yes, there was you know some underestimating over just how contagious this was, but let's face it, you know statements made before we realize that you know, this was contagious while asymptomatic, you know, lack of information can shouldn't be held against people. You know, as more information has come out, you know, this is me, you know, doing some editorializing, but as more information has come out, you know, revising, you know, our current estimates and current, you know, thought process is, well, prudent. So here's what the left's new narrative is. People died and it's because of Trump you know, that if only Trump would have done more, if only Trump would have taken action sooner. Oh, if only this. See, it doesn't matter what the death toll happens to be for the left. It's an attack. You know, any number, you know, is too high. And Trump has come out and he said this, you know, when asked what's an acceptable uh, amount of deaths from the coronavirus, Trump has come out and said there is no acceptable number you know, the fact that anyone has died from this is unacceptable. That is something that the Trump has come out and said. But the left now, knowing that, you know, out of all the people that have died, they got their attack at, they got their narrative that, yes, you know, people died. But, you know, no matter what, you know, it's because of Trump that more people died than should have. See, it doesn't matter if it was the initial estimate of 13 million or 2.2 million, you know, and we take a look at those estimates. It doesn't matter what actions Trump takes. The left is always going to say it wasn't enough. And that by not taking enough action, more people died than should have. Oh, if, you know, 200,000 people died, you know, but if Trump would have done, you know, insert blank, you know, sooner, bigger, or more aggressively, that number would have been down to, I don't know, let's say 50,000 seasonal flu levels, you know, and that, you know, it's only because of Trump that the numbers got as high as they did. Mark my words, this is going to be the left's talking point. This is going to be how the left is going to spin everything. So let's say, you know, we did nothing, You know, and the new estimates turned out, you know, to be accurate. 2.2 million people. Trump takes a lot of action. And let's say he can hold that down to just under a hundred thousand people. I mean, that would show, you know, a severe decline. That would show, you know, great action being taken. You know, under a hundred thousand is better than 200,000. Now zero would be better, you know, but we already know that it's not going to be able to be zero. And so we're taking a look at these estimates, and Trump is implementing action, you know, to keep it, you know, from getting to that 2.2 million. But it, whether it ends up being, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, the number will never matter to the left. And the amount of action he takes will never matter to the left, because their narrative will and always be that, well, it may not have been that 2.2 million, but, you know, Trump's inaction and lack of response made that number higher than it ever should have been. You know, so let's say, you know, it only reaches 100,000 deaths. Well, that's because, you know, of Trump's inaction, you know, it it shouldn't have, you know, escalated beyond 50,000. So the deaths were twice as much as what would have been if only a Democrat were in charge and leading the way, taking this seriously. Or let's say, you know, the death count is at two hundred thousand. Oh, if only he would have taken action sooner. It only would have been a hundred thousand. You know, and let's say it gets up to a million. Oh, you know, um, yes, you know, a million. But you know, that's double what it would have been if Trump just would have done more. See, in the end. It doesn't matter. They're always going to be able to Monday morning quarterback this thing and claim that no matter what the death rate is, it's double what it would have been if a Democrat was in charge. And that it was Trump's incompetency that the death, that the number of deaths got as high as they are. That's going to be the new talking point. Mark my words in the coming week. That talking point is going to be iterated by the left more and more and become permeated throughout the entire media, you know, all over CNN, NBC, MSNBC. You'll even see it in the New York Times in the coming weeks, that the death toll is only as large as it is because of Trump. And that if we listened to the Democrats, it only would have been half, you know, or only a quarter of what it was under Trump. You will see that. You will see that. And just know that what they are doing is they're setting up an election narrative because they don't care about the coronavirus. Not really. They don't care about the deaths. Not really. All they care about is how they can spin a narrative in a political attack ad. All right. So instead of continuing to go over the normal length of the show that I try to keep at about, you know, an hour, you know, I went over. However, I think I'm going to go ahead and stop it here. There's a few more articles that I was wanting to get to, such as the DHS halts bringing more H2B foreign workers, you know, amid US opposition, you know, and we could talk about the whole, yes, Considering how many people are now filing for unemployment, it is a good idea to be considering the suspension of immigration until we can get our people back to work. All right. So that was one article. There was another article about teachers unions, uh, pressuring states to clamp down on virtual charter schools. Yes. In the midst of a pandemic, the teachers, you know, not concerned so much about, you know, kids education but whether or not they can keep the kids in their specific schools in order to keep the tax dollars that go with the kids to their specific schools. So they're engaged in more of a territorial argument rather than what's in the best interests of the schools. There was an issue here uh, where NASA has come up uh, with ion engines for its space probes and what that can mean for the development of cars and airplanes in the future for use here in you know, on Earth itself rather than through space travel. And then, of course, uh, Goldman Sachs had warned uh, its clients that due to the volatility of the stock market because of the coronavirus, that it's making uh, companies uh, vulnerable to hostile takeovers. Those are things uh, that I wanted to get to, but I just could not find enough time to get to them. At the end of this episode, even then going over the time. So I'm going to go ahead and end the podcast episode right here. Uh, maybe I'll come up with uh, an episode tomorrow where I discuss these four things in a shorter episode so that you'll have something uh, to listen to uh, tomorrow on Saturday, you know, or maybe I'll wait and release it on Sunday. You know, one of those two, uh, but I'm not going to go on and make this an hour and a half long show. So I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in today. And listening, I would greatly appreciate it. If you're a new listener to hit subscribe so that you never miss another episode, leave me a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to this podcast so other people will be able to find it and know that it's relevant to them. And please share this podcast, help it grow the best way to push back against you know the left wing dominance of information and news is through the promotion of conservative content and being able to get conservative voices out there not just those who are established mega voices but for all those people who are now just developing and getting their audience uh, going and you know getting out there because the left censorship of the internet is about isolating conservatives to believe that they are in the minority By making it hard to get a hold of conservative content. So when you find conservative content that you like, share it with everybody that you know and get things going because only by sharing this can we, you know, end the dominance of the left and information, you know, and get rational conservative content back out there and overwhelm the nonsense of the liberal media. All right. Thank you so much. And I will be back again.